this is Tommy Wiseau, and you listen Columbia KCOU 88.1 FM. Hopefully you have a groovy time. And welcome, welcome, welcome on this Tuesday morning in beautiful Columbia, Missouri. The weather has turned everything up here beautiful to KNC Sports on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia, online at KCOU.FM. My name is Kyle Jones. I am joined once again by my good friend Cole Tucson. Cole, what a week and what a previous weekend. We've had in the wide, wide world of sports, um, it's it's going to keep on going. There's so much good stuff over the next couple days. Of course, we had WrestleMania on Sunday. We had the National Championship last night. We've got NHL playoffs starting tomorrow. The NBA playoff push is continuing. That's going to wrap up pretty soon. You've got the Masters starting on Thursday. This is a, one of the best, one of the best weeks in sports. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, this is one of my favorite weeks in sports. But you know, going into like the pop culture stuff as well. This Sunday, Game of Thrones season premiere, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, you know, I, I know we're both big Game of Thrones fans, so it will be interesting to see how they begin this final season of that show. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's been a you know a blast these past couple days, and we got a big show for y'all today. A whole lot to talk about. We got two drafts coming up pretty soon. Of course, the WNBA mock draft, which now that uh, now that Sabrina Ionescu is going back to Oregon, we're gonna have to see where that uh, where that takes everybody and where that uh, you know how that impacts the one and only Sophie Cunningham, and then the NFL draft. That is coming up as well. We're going to run through stuff that could happen with that. There's also baseball going on. There's hockey going on. There's so much going on. We're going to try to get through it all, so stay tuned. You're listening to KNC Sports Live on KCOU. Indoor baseball, anyone? Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Sundays at 9 a.m., it's the weekly walkthrough. Tune in to KCOU 88.1 FM to hear Ethan Salm and Nick Catlin recap everything that happened in the world of sports this week. Start your Sunday off right with the weekly walkthrough. Follow us on Twitter at Weekly Walk KCOU for updates on the show. And remember to tune in to KCOU 88.1 at 9 a.m. on Sundays. Baseball is what gets inside you. It's what lights you up. You can't deny that. From college to MLB, join me, Taylor Renee, and me, Emma Hayes, as we discuss all things baseball on KCOU Sports' first and exclusively female talk show, A League of Their Own. 
Tune in every Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia or online at kcou.fm. And welcome back to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. Kyle Jones, Cole Tusing here in the studio. So Cole, we got a whole big show stuff coming up, but let's start off with, you know, going from from stuff that has already happened. And to do that, let's let's do a quick little recap of WrestleMania. I know you're a big wrestling guy. I enjoy the graps myself. So we're going to start out with the pre-show. Tony Nese defeating Buddy Murphy to win the Cruiserweight Championship. Did you uh, did you get to watch the pre-show? Um, unfortunately, I'm just going to say this outright for WrestleMania. I was busy um, doing some fraternity stuff here on campus, so the only match I got to saw in full was the main event with Ronda Rousey. All right, so you got to see that so, Rousey main event, which is... That- you basically... So I, I saw I saw all all eight hours of this show. Um, aside from uh, aside from um, the AJ Styles Randy Orton match, I I chose that to be the one that I skipped so that I could drive over to uh, our friend Matthew Terry's house. We had a big watch party over his place, which was good. But anyway, um, there are four matches on the pre-show. Uh, pre-show itself was essentially two hours. Um, though that was not too bad. Um, but yeah, Tony Nese defeating Buddy Murphy. That was the first big, uh, title change. Um, Carmella went, won the Women's Battle Royal. And then another big one, this kind of like, you know, like the pre-show didn't really matter. But you know it was fun to it was fun to watch uh, you know the the SNL guys Colin Jost and uh, what's what's the other guy's name uh, I don't remember they do Weekend Update um, I know who you're talking about I yeah Bron Bron Strowman I don't have the name off the top of my yeah, head yeah Bron Strowman wound up beating both of them which is what was gonna happen but then we got to the real stuff Cole we got to the real stuff um, and the first big thing that happened um, Alexa Bliss comes out. Introduces everybody, says hi, welcome to WrestleMania. And then Cole, Hulk Hogan came out. We had Hulk Hogan. And if I'm, I'm I saw this on Twitter. If didn't John Cena also come out? Yes, but that was a bit later. Okay, that that, okay, that was but... a little bit later. But no, Hulk Hulk Hogan um appeared, which was um interesting. I don't know if anyone really wanted him there. The best part of it though was so you know um years years ago. Um, they had WrestleMania in the, uh, I want to say the Metrodome. I don't, I forget where it was, but he called it the Silverdome instead. He messed up. He called that stadium the Silverdome. They were most assuredly not in the Silverdome. So he comes out. He's like, welcome to WrestleMania at the Silverdome. Like blatantly, blatantly making a joke of himself from the past. And everybody laughs. And he's like, oh, no, but seriously, welcome to WrestleMania at the MetLife Center, um, which the the, the the event was being held at MetLife Stadium. So so 
Unbeknownst to him, he lampoons himself for being wrong that one time and then proceeds to be wrong a second time. It was hilarious, which it wasn't supposed to be. Like, that was not supposed to be what happened. Uh, but then right after that, uh, Seth Rollins squashed Brock Lesnar in two minutes and 30 seconds after Brock Lesnar beat the crud out of him outside the ring before the match happened. Uh, so that was cool. Um, Brock Lesnar, it was great because Paul Heyman came out before. He was like, my client and I, if we aren't in the main event, we're going on first, and they'll go to Vegas where people appreciate him. Kind of, you know, really, you know, trying to get that, that UFC tie going in. You know, everyone still kind of thinks that he's going back to UFC to fight Daniel Cormier. Um, so, so Rollins sent them back to Las Vegas without the belt. It was a good match. I enjoyed it. Uh, three curb stomps to put Brock Lesnar away. Um, let's see, another big, another big one, uh, Shane McMahon beating The Miz after throwing themselves off of a, a piece of scaffolding that was many, many feet in the air. Not as big as some of the other crazy, like, death-defying feats that Shane McMahon has done as WrestleMania. This wasn't like jumping off the top of Hell, of a, of hell in a Cell or anything, but this one went everywhere in the crowd. It was 15 minutes, and I'd say maybe two minutes of this was in the actual ring area. We had a, we had a golf cart bump, Cole. We had a golf cart bump. It is officially Masters Week. So I guess, you know, the you know, you, you obviously watched, you know, WrestleMania a lot more than me. So I guess the question I'm trying to preface is obviously, you know, with you know the issues that you know we brought up, you know, last week with you know the WWE with like, you know, having, you know, health insurance and you know the whole Vince McMahon, you know, issues and everything. Do you think an event like this WWE is trying to pull out all the stops to. Oh, this is yeah. There's there's uh, there's so much of this that was you know. Look at us. Look at our image. This is so beautiful. Look at all the you know all the stuff we're doing. There was a there was a big um there was a big thing in the middle of the event where they brought out the Hall of Fame class, which included the uh, the Warrior Award. Which if you don't know what the, if you don't know what that is, that's usually given to somebody who has like shown you know. Like, they've been a big humanitarian or they've, like, beaten cancer or something like that. Um, this year it went to um, this lady from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, so it was very much like, hey, look at that. We, we, we work with Make-A-Wish. Like us. Um, which it worked because there was, you know, like 80,000 people in the stadium. So, like, you know... Clearly, at least 80,000 people don't care about the health insurance stuff. Or if they do, it doesn't it doesn't compromise the rest of their wrestling-watching experience. They're still willing to sit in a stadium for upwards of 10 hours. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I didn't see anything that they didn't address. They, I feel there was one part of the show they might have addressed it. Um... In a way, it was a stupid way of addressing it. They honored DX uh, for the Hall of Fame, and then a little bit after after that, um, Colin Jost, and then it was Michael Shea was the other guy from SNL who got their who got their bums whooped at, um, at you know during the Battle Royal. Um, they were in a like little kind of nurse's office area sort of deal. 
And Alexa Bliss came back and was like, hey, guys, sorry about what Braun did to you. He's actually a nice guy, but don't worry. Our medical staff is good. You're in good hands. And then two members of DX came out and made a joke about prostate exams. It was not a good look, you know, in the circumstances. Like, like. For something like that, this is the first time I'm ever hearing of something like that, and you think it would be all over Twitter and everything. Cause... I mean, it, it, I, I think it was obviously a lighthearted jab. I don't know if it was actually directed at, you know, people who think about the health, the health insurance situation or anything like that. But for a company who, like, you know, you had CM Punk who, when he, when he left the company, talked about how, you know, the medical staff was very poor. Um, and didn't do their jobs at all. Um, and then there is, um, who do you call it? Um, obviously, uh, John Oliver coming out and, you know, talking about all the health insurance deal. It seemed to, to me, given the circumstances, kind of in poor taste to make a joke about your, quote, outstanding medical team and then drag out two members of DX when, like, you know, you could have just left it as Alexa Bliss saying you're in good hands, you know? I don't know. That's just me. But getting back to the results, uh, the Iconics defeating the, the tag team champions Bailey and Sasha Banks to win the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. Those are two relatively... It's, it's a relatively new championship to fight for. I think I forget when they introduced it, but it's it's, you know... It's yielded some decent matches. And then the big one, the big uh, happy moment in the middle of the show, keep in mind there was still like two hours of show after this one, but it felt like it should have ended the show. Like if we didn't have the women on as the main event, this one would have been the main event just based on the ending. Kofi Kingston defeating Daniel Bryan to capture the WWE Championship. He is the first... African-born wrestler to uh, to win the WWE Championship. And also one of the few African-Americans to win that belt. There's not too many African-Americans who have won the WWE Championship, but he is now officially one of them. So that was a, good, that was a feel-good moment. Um, Triple H won. It wouldn't be WrestleMania if Triple H didn't win. Um, Finn Balor won. Finn Balor dressed up as the demon and won. And then, of course, in the main event, the first all-women's main event in the history of WrestleMania was uh, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair. And Becky Lynch won, but it was not a clean pen. It was not a good finish. Um, and that left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, including mine. Um, but yeah, eight hours of wrestling. Uh, there's not much more you can really talk about. Because, uh, well, eight hours of wrestling. But yeah. I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy the, the little bit that you watched? Um, you know, obviously, you know, Brampton, great point of how, you know, that match, you know, the main event, you know, with the, you know, all-women championship. Some of the things were confusing me, but, you know, it is what it is. It happened. You just got to live with it kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, two interesting notes. Um, you mentioned John Cena returning. There was a bit where Elias came out and he played his guitar and he was all that. 
and then right in the middle, um, we got John Cena coming out. But it wasn't your it wasn't your regular John Cena. It wasn't the like you know hustle, loyalty, respect, you know troops, you know dressed in neon colors. John Cena. No, he came out with an unbuttoned New York Yankees jersey, wearing a chain. It was Thugonomics John Cena. If, if you watch WWE in the early 2000s, you will remember the, uh, the exploits of very profane, not very profane, but kind of profane, uh, you know, rapper gimmick John Cena, which we haven't seen in a very long time, especially since WWE started branding themselves as PG and trying to be family-friendly and whatnot. So it was kind of cool to see John Cena come out, and he rapped, it was okay, uh, but he definitely wrapped the socks off of Elias, which was okay. Uh, but that was Mania. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, draft talk, so stay tuned. The 2018 NFL Draft is now officially open. Tune into Undrafted for the best sports talk of the week. Catch Parker Reed. I'm an above-average Packers fan, but the Bills are a very bad team. I, they are utter trash. And Turner Klingenmeyer. Definitely draft stuck up. I'm going with coffee tables. But that Bears defense. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. only on KCOU 88.1 FM. Tune into High and Tight with me and my co-host Logan Perone as we catch you up on the latest signings, trades, news, scores, and highlights from around America's pastime. Every Sunday at 11 a.m. on the 88.1 FM stream and on our website KCU.FM on the blue box. If you love them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, oh, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. And welcome back to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. We pivot now from the world of sports entertainment to the world of professional women's basketball, where the, w- the WNBA draft will be uh, commencing not too long from now. And there's been a little bit of a shakeup because originally Sabrina Inescu, who was expected to go number one, is now returning to Oregon to play her senior year. Um, so that means, well, I, I think she, she's going to play a fifth year, I think is what it is. Uh, she has a fifth year of eligibility, so she's not going to leave after her senior year. She's going to be that redshirt senior and have a fifth year of eligibility. But what it means is a huge shakeup to a draft that is very important to Mizzou fans if you are a fan of the one and only Sophie Cunningham. So, Cole, currently, Sophie is predicted to be a 10 seed. Um, a couple of other uh, highlights to look at in this draft. Asia Durr predicted to be a the number one pick now after Ionescu. Uh, decided to, to not go in. Tierra McCowan, who we remember from Mississippi State, looking to go three. That's the prediction via ESPN. 
And then, of course, Arike Ogumbawale, who we'll all remember from those pair of buzzer beaters, not just one buzzer beater, she had two in the NCAA tournament last year. She is predicted to go to Minnesota. Of course, Notre Dame losing the national championship this year to the Baylor Bears. And interestingly enough, there is a bear predicted to go in this draft. Kalani Brown predicted to go number 11 to Atlanta. So my question to you, Cole, is first off, do you think Sophie going at 10 is the kind of correct placement for her? And second off, is it a problem that, like, 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 how how does the WNBA fix the problem that inevitably, after like maybe this week, anyone paying attention to the, to the WNBA draft probably isn't going to care about the league? Well, you know, there's a few things you know to talk about. So first of all, when you're talking about you know caring about the league and everything, obviously you know we're you know Mizzou students, Mizzou journalists were you know on KCU. So obviously you know I don't know about you, but I'm going to be paying attention to you know Sophie's career in the WNBA how that unfolds, but. To go back to your first question, you see her at 10. I'm looking at a draft board. I see her going to Phoenix at the 13th. Pick. Really? So you still you still see her as a second-round pick. I I understand that. Um and I know there's I know she's she's been on a lot of draft boards at 13. I know one of the big kind of reasons for that Megan Gustafson from Iowa who had a great tournament. Um is predicted at 12, going to Seattle, the uh, the only basketball team in Seattle currently. Yeesh. Um, but I don't know, because I... I do you we, think, like, 10 well, or 13, do you think that's... What, are are they lowballing her or not really? It, when you look at when you look at who else is in this draft, you're like, no. Um, because alright, so Asia Durr, who if if you've been watching women's basketball and you've been watching Louisville, you know Asia Durr is great. I watched her over spring break when Louisville was playing at the tournament. Asia Durr is a great player. Then you got Jackie Young, who part of that Notre Dame team that won a national championship. Tierra McCowan, Mississippi State, who we both know how good she was, right? You have Christine Inigwe, who out of Cal, maybe not making as many headlines as those other players, but a six four forward. Like in women's basketball, that's you know that's that's you know that's just quality metrics right there, and she's a good player. Nafisa Collier, who UConn, all you really gotta say there. Arike Gumbawale, that's all already talked there. about there. Katie Lou Samuelson, UConn. So once again, not much else. Alana Smith is from Stanford, six four forward. She uh, that that Pac twelve conference in basketball underrated, very underrated. We talk about. SEC basketball for women, the women's basketball scene in the SEC is fantastic. But then, and then, you know, ACC also, just basketball in general in the ACC is phenomenal. Um, but the Pac-12 has good teams as well. Oregon uh, made it to the Final Four. They're very good. Um, Cal as well. And then Stanford, Alana Smith is a quality player. Jessica Shepard, another Notre Damer. Then Sophie. So, like, Sophie... Sophie is such a, like... It's such a contentious thing, because 
in terms of accomplishments, in terms of like titles and stuff, Sophie didn't win anything. She literally never won any championships. She never won any conferences, right? So in terms of like college career and being decorated, it's all about individual awards for her, you know? Um, and she has that aplenty. Uh, third team AP All-American. Uh, there was another website that gave her an All-American award. I forget what it was. Um, That's how I forget about, you know, freshman of the year, um, SEC, you know, player of the weeks, you know, yep. national player of the weeks, you know, all throughout her career. So She was a high school All-American, uh, broke multiple records at Missouri. I believe she broke an SEC record for points or something like that. I remember seeing something like that, but, yeah, you're definitely Maybe right. Obviously, she's not like, you know, She's not the Grunwald yeah. who has, you know, championships. Or she's not the champ that you would get from Notre Dame or Baylor or, of course, UConn or even South Carolina at this point. But what she is is a quality player, and she's got that intensity. And that's what I've seen a lot of scout reports talk about is that she's going to go high, or at least higher than, say, Kalani Brown or Megan Gustafson because of how she how intense she is on on the court. And it's it's funny because I look at tweets from, like, the SEC talking about her, and one of the main things you see besides, even, even more so than Missouri fans commenting on those tweets about how good she, about how good she is, is South Carolina and Tennessee fans going on and troll commenting saying she's a dirty player, which to me is funny because she's only a dirty player in your eyes when she beats you, you know? Because really, if you want to talk about, you know, dirty player and everything, like I want to quote, you know, her teammate, you know, transfer from Kansas herself, Lauren Aldrich, who said, she said this in, you know, one of my, you know, media days, how Sophie, you love to play with her, but you hate to play against her. Exactly. And it's not that she's dirty. There's a difference between being dirty and being physical and being good. Zaza's right? dirty. Zaza, Zaza's dirty, right? Zaza Pachulia is dirty. Um, you could even argue that occasionally Draymond Green is dirty. Oh, of course. Um, like, I think everyone can agree with that. You, you look at the soccer world, guys like Pepe, usually pretty dirty. Sophie Cunningham is not. She's intense. She'll get up in your face, and she's going to throw an elbow because she's trying to assert her position, right? But in terms of being dirty, like, you look at her, she is not a dirty player because usually dirty players are also kind of like jerks. And She is far from that. She's probably the farthest from being a jerk as you can be. She's just very intense on the court, and she plays to win the game, which if you're a professional, that's what you want in your player. You know, you want someone who plays to win the game no matter what. And, yeah, she's had foul trouble. We saw that in the tournament. That's kind of the reason that the Tigers lost is because of her foul trouble. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to beat Iowa when, uh, when your best player does not play for half the game against Iowa. Um, also, Megan Gustafson went off in that game. But, anyway, um, but like, she's intense. And I imagine, you know, she'll, with, with, the, WWE, NBA, with the WNBA being a bit more physical, in college ball, I imagine she could probably get away with a little bit more. And it's going to be an asset to have somebody with that intensity. So that's why I think she goes 10. 
I understand why you put her in 13, right? I understand why you put her in the second round um, because, you know, in terms of accomplishments, technically she has none. But, you know, in individual stats and in all that, I think it is a testament to how good she is that even without any titles, without any conference titles, without any national championships, you know, this, this is a, a player who never made it past the second round of the NCAA tournament. And she could go number 10 in the draft. Now, obviously, this is the WNBA, but, you know, obviously, you know, let's just think about it for a second. You know, who are some, you know, NBA great players that are drafted 13? You think of Giannis, you think of Davin Mitchell. Yeah, of course, I think it's better to contextualize uh, because I, I just kind of, you know, at, at the value of what a 13 pick is in the WNBA versus, say, a 12. How many NBA players, how many great NBA players do we know who were drafted in the second round? Monte Ginobili. Exactly. Um, let's see. I know Tony Parker was a 27th pick. I believe that's still second round. Uh, but yeah. I know so, Draymond Green was the second round pick. There's there's so many there's so many good good players. But all we know is she's gonna get drafted to the to the WNBA. It's it's it's, it's a it's essentially a done deal at this point, and she's gonna probably kick some butt. I obviously, would hope. you know, talk about drafts and everything. You have to talk about the other person, um, Zeus Throne, that everyone wants to pay attention to, the NFL draft with ah uh, yes. Drew, and so pivoting from WNBA to NFL draft, which is coming up as well, um, is draft month. I think one of the big main storylines, and it really does pertain to where Drew goes, is Kyler Murray. I think about the first, like, about 10 picks in this draft all hinge on who takes Kyler Murray. You're gonna. I'm, all right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you finish your thought, and I want to say what I'm thinking because I saw a draft board last night. All right. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see if we're looking at the same one. But so, Kyler Murray. If, if the Cardinals take him first, which I, yeah, I think they will. I know Kingsbury's been saying that Josh Rosen's their guy. I don't believe him. Um, so I think Kyler Murray goes first to the Cardinals. What that means is that, you know, you, you go for the next best, you go for the next best quarterback, you know, be that, uh, Dwayne Haskins, be that Drew, you know, whoever it is. Um, you know, that's, that's how that's going to work out. So it really depends on, you know, our team's willing to trade up for Drew, our team's willing to trade up for Dwayne. Which teams trade? Because, like, you know, with the Niners having the second pick, if the Dolphins or the Broncos or the Giants want him, any of those teams, or even the Raiders, right, they could trade up to get him, but I don't think that's a smart move because there's not enough teams in that first quarter of the draft who need a quarterback that justify trading there, right? Like, I think after, I think... If if the if someone trades with the Niners for that second pick, it changes so much. You know? I don't think they will. I think that 
the first quarterback to be drafted not named Kyler Murray will be Dwayne Haskins, and I think he'll go to the Giants. After that, it's going to be, you know, a rush to see where things go. I am still of a mind that Drew goes to the Broncos at 10. I, I just can't, I can't see a world, after all the flirting that John Elway has done, and with the fact that, like, there's not too many other teams that need quarterbacks. I guess the Dolphins could maybe trade and get someone else, but they also just signed on Ryan Fitzpatrick. And while a lot of people are going to say that's stupid and that's like the bad move to go with, we're looking at the Dolphins. So that's par for the course, y'all. You know? Like, I feel I, I, I feel like Drew's going to the Broncos. The, the way that John Elway courted Drew, literally did. Like, he went to Drew's games, went to pro, pro day, went to the bowl game, you know, scouted this guy. For him to not go for Take it. Take him when he has a chance. It doesn't seem likely. You know, I, it just seems so, it, it, I don't want to call it a lock, which is, I, I, I just uh, now realized. Pun intended? Yes, very much intended. I, I don't find it a lock that the Broncos are getting Drew Locke. But I do think that it's a relatively likely sort of situation. And whether he goes at 10 or whether the Broncos trade up is a thing that we are yet to see. But I, I just don't see him going not to the Broncos. Okay, so that's your draft board. I saw a very interesting, I'll say, draft board last night. And I'm just going to just run through it. And I'm a want to get your thoughts. So first pick was Quentin Williams out of Alabama. Okay. Second um, pick was. That makes sense. Cornerback DeAndre Baker out of Georgia. All right. Not Bosa. Not Bosa, which I think that's bad. I think I think I think if you can get Nick Bosa, you got to get Nick Bosa. You say Kyler Murray's top ten. I say Kyler Murray's probably. I I, I am willing to say that he's going to go first. This draft board had Kyler Murray at fifteen. What the heck? Dwayne Haskins at twenty eight to the Patriots. Who? Drew Lock to the second round to the Bengals. Who who came up with that one? I'd like to know what drugs they're on, because uh, clearly they're doing the trick. Like that's that's out that's out of pocket. That right there is wrong. I've never seen a draft board like that before. That is. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna read to you the one that I that I have found on NFL.com, and I like I, I I find this one very interesting because it kind of goes along a little bit with what I was talking about. This is from Chad Reuter. Um, he has Kyler going first, which I agree. I think I just I just think that's what that's what it's gonna be. It's what it's gonna be. I know they said Josh is their guy. I just I I think that's a lie. He has Drew going number two. Interestingly enough, though, it is because the Raiders make a trade with the Niners. He has Drew going to the Oakland Raiders at the number two pick via trade. When was the last time two quarterbacks, if that does happen, the two quarterbacks get drafted in consecutive picks? It's been a while, I'm pretty sure. Um, 
but with the with the quarterback class as it is, I mean, it's relatively strong, and there's a lot of teams that need them. So I wouldn't be incredibly surprised if something to this accord happens, but I think it's going to be a bit different. I think if there is a trade in the fashion of this, it is going to be the Giants trading with the Niners to get Haskins at number two. I still think Drew goes to the Broncos. So I, I can't I can't agree with this guy here. He does have Nick Bosa going three to the Jets. And with that I can say, yeah, that's a that's, you know, fair play. But here's where it gets interesting. We talk about Niners trading with the Raiders. So the, the Raiders get Drew Locke. The Niners at four with Quinnen Williams. I could see that. Josh Allen, uh, the Kentucky, the Kentucky one, not the other one. The edge rusher going at five to the Bucks, and then the Giants. He has them not getting Dwayne Haskins. He has them getting Rashawn Gary, the edge rusher from Michigan. Jawan Taylor going to the Jags, so Jawan Taylor staying in Florida. Montez Sweat going to the Lions, and then Dwayne Haskins in what he is calling a projected trade with the Buffalo Bills, the Dolphins go up to nine and get Dwayne Haskins. Where does that draft board have Greedy Williams? Let's see. Well, my word, he's fallen quite a ways back. Which I think is disrespectful. I think he's the best. 31. 31 to the Rams. Jeez, if he went to the Rams. I mean, that's unstoppable right that's... there. For, forget, about, for, forget about having the refs help you to get to the Super Bowl. You wouldn't need that. In my mind, he's one of the best corners in college football. I mean, yeah. I, I definitely, I would, I would definitely agree with you on that. But getting back to where we were, you know, we're talking about Dwayne Haskins going at nine via trade with Bills, so the Dolphins get him. The Bills would then fall to thirteen due to that trade, and this fella has them selecting Ed Oliver at a U of H, which, I mean, I think that's good. Um, I think it's a that's a solid that's a solid decision right there. But then this is where things get get interesting because this guy has the Giants skimping on Dwayne Haskins, which I think is dumb. They have he has them instead, of course, uh, getting Rashawn Gary at six, and then you know they've got the seventeenth pick as well. He has them getting Daniel Jones. The quarterback out of Duke. Yes, so he has them skimping on skimping on Haskins to get a defensive fella, and then instead going with Daniel Jones as their quarterback. Now that Daniel Jones sticking around to the, to the seventeenth pick is a fair it's a fair bet, you know. I think I think he's overrated, so I think he might even fall farther. But you know, to think that they get two guys. And neither of them being Haskins, to me, I think that's just that's just you know overlooking a how good Haskins is and b how good of a fit he would be, you know. 
Now, I don't know, maybe it's part of the whole, you know, let's blow up the Giants thing where the Giants are just going to be bad for a, a long time. But it seems to me that Haskins is just the best pick for them. You know? It doesn't make sense to me for them to not do that. They're just trying to get Eli Manning forever. Yeah, they're trying to find the fountain of youth so that Eli Manning will forever be their quarterback. Texans have the 23rd pick. They're predicted to get DeAndre Baker in this mock draft. So not the second pick in the draft I've seen. No. What what have you seen with that? Remember how I said it was Quinn Williams and DeAndre Baker at the second pick? Yeah. Kyler Murray was the 15th. Yeah, so definitely not definitely not like your uh weird mock draft that was cooked up by an interesting person. Um looking at the second round cuz I know the Bears, you know, we look at your Bears, they don't have a pick for a while, do they? That's what you get for getting Khalil Mack. Yeah, I mean, which I, I mean, I sat, I'll take it. I sat through an entire round and a half last season, after you know having to deal with the Texans going and grabbing uh, Deshaun Watson. So we lost a bunch of picks, but they y'all don't even have a, a pick till like the third round, do you? Nope. But going back to your original point of how the Texans are taking a corner so building up that defense but you keep going um every time you know in the nfl season of how the texans need an offensive line especially yeah, a left tackle they do and the fact that we're not going for one once again just shows me the the lack of the lack of oversight by this franchise the fact that this has been a problem for literally i mean this literally 17 years. Franchise came up in 2002, right? And, uh, well, it's been a problem ever since they were founded, and they just haven't really decided to change that. It's 2019, y'all, and the Texans' O-line is still a heaping bunch of trash, and uh, apparently the Texans are okay with that. Defense wins championships, so just keep drafting defensive guys, you know? The, 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 the name of the game for the Texans is you draft either a wide receiver or a defensive tackle in the first round, right? And then every about seven years, you draft a quarterback. Usually that quarterback is drafted about three years too late. Hopefully we won't have to deal with a quarterback problem anymore because Deshaun's good. But He's not like your... Previous quarterbacks. Oh, I mean, it's it's very hard to be that bad, you know. You had to try to be that bad. Brock Osweiler. Brock Lobster was trash. The 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 fact the the, the TJ Yates. Hey, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what about TJ Yates. He only first played, playoff. Fell, the fellow only played for like what half a season, and he, he winds up being the technically the the greatest accomplished quarterback in the history of the franchise. You know, guides them. To that playoff victory. First one in franchise history. Case Keenum. Case Keenum in Houston was like <laughs> not bad, right? And then he goes off to Minnesota and pulled all that stuff, what, two years ago? And then he goes to Denver and falls off the map. It was like, Case, I feel so bad for you, you know? But yeah, we're going to take another short break. When we come back, 
Some other sports news, so stay tuned. You're listening to KNC Sports Live on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, I'll dry them all. Last year, four million people graduated from Red Cross classes. One of them could save your life. Join them. Every Saturday, Cut the Nets will be live from noon to 1 on KCOU 88.1 FM. Auto quarters of possibility. Jabari Parker's even a possibility. You don't want Jabari Parker. Tune in to KCOU Sports Saturday to listen to David Kuntz, Zach Berman, and Chuck Ryan talk sports. Fun fact of the day, number two, Robert Kraft actually owns like 99% of the city of Foxborough. Catch Cut the Nets on KCOU 88.1 FM. Do people care about Evan? I mean, why would the Magic want Evan Turner? A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. And welcome back to KNC Sports here on KCOU. Cole, Stanley Cup playoffs starting up on the morrow, and we've got one heck of a bracket to talk about because, once again, we talked about this last week, and I'm going to talk about it again. I don't know who's going to win this thing, you know? Because there's so many teams where I'm like, wow, like the Lightning are just dominant, but at the very same time, this is the Lightning in the playoffs, so inevitably there could be a first-round collapse against the Blue Jackets, and I wouldn't be surprised. So, like, there, there, there's so much to talk about. A um, couple of matchups that I really want to highlight um, in the first round, at least, are the Calgary Flames and the Avalanche, because the Avalanche came into the playoffs on a relative hot streak, and the Flames also just decided to show up. I don't think anyone expected the Calgary Flames to be the best team in the Western Conference, but here we are. Um the question is, you know, this is the Flames' first playoff appearance in years. Is that, you know, can they replicate the success that they had in the regular season into the playoffs? So the playoffs in the in the NHL, of course, a whole different a whole different game. You know, it's a whole different season. And, you know, talk about, you know, last week with the NHL playoffs and everything. Obviously, you know, Nashville jumped over Winnipeg, so Nashville's now playing the Dallas Stars, and now Winnipeg is now playing the St. Louis Blues. So if you're in Missouri, you're probably going to want to pay attention to that series a little bit. Yeah, and that's a, that's an interesting one, right? Because the Blues the Blues have been, like, pretty pretty good this season, right? You know, you got to be good to be in the playoffs. But after last year where it seemed like nothing could go right for St. Louis and they were just on the cusp of where they wanted to be, now they're there. And they're playing Winnipeg, a team that, you know, up to a couple of days ago was the number one seed. 
So it becomes the question of can the Blues do it? And I think they can. Winnipeg is one of those teams where, like, historically at least, like, they can get to the playoffs, yeah, but it's one of those teams that kind of falters in the playoffs, right? I wonder if the Blues can be the team that Winnipeg falters against. Because the Blues have a good team. Oh, yeah, and, you know, let's just say, you know, you know, I think my prediction is going to be Nashville jumps over Dallas and oh, yeah, for sure. St. Louis jumps over Winnipeg. So how would the Blues handle Smashville? Oh, I think I think the Preds win that one, frankly. I think the Preds are Preds are still a great hockey team. I mean, remember, it was not, not too long ago that those Nashville Predators were in the Stanley Cup final, you know? So I, I would not put it past the Preds to win that one. Any other uh any other first round matchups that have caught your eye, Cole? I know for me, for me, Penguins Islanders is gonna be a fun first round. That's gonna be probably one of the best first rounds in this you know, in these playoffs. Oh yeah, you know, that's obviously you know, that every time, you know, the Islanders and Pens play each other, it's always a great time. And, you know, looking right above them if you know, the Capitals win. You have, once again, Crosby, Crosby, Ovechkin, which that's always fun. It is. It Two is of the fun. best hockey players in the league, in the world. Another one I want to look at is Sharks Vegas, where the Sharks, once again, only like three years removed from a Stanley Cup final where they took the pens to, like, I think that went six games. Um... And then Vegas, of course, the team that came out of nowhere last season. And then, you know, they, they fell off a little bit. They're not the team that they were last year. But they are still good, and they are still there. They are still in a position to where they could go back to the Stanley Cup Finals. You know, we saw it last year where they caught fire and just really were just this hard-hitting, good team. They got they got Marc-Andre Fleury in net. Flurry is, of course, very experienced with not just being close to getting to the finals, but actually winning Stanley Cup finals. You know, he won a couple with Pittsburgh. You know, it's it's going to be a matter of this team who, you know, we, we, we kind of think of being young because they're an expansion team. They're not young. They've got a lot of experience on that squad. Um... I'm just I'm I'm so excited because this is one of the first years where I'm like, you know, I don't know who's going to win, you know? Like in past years I you I could have said all right, it's going to be like Kings Blackhawks and then the the Kings are going to go on or Predators and, you know, someone else and the Predators will go on. This year it's like the Knights could do it again. The Flames are on fire. The Blues are decent. You know, the Nashville Predators. Where is that going to go? And then on the East, you have the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it's like, well, maybe that's going to happen. But the Tampa Bay Lightning always falter in the playoffs. So is it really going to be the Lightning? You know, it could be the Bruins. It could be the Caps. It could be the Penguins. So it's, it's going to be really, really interesting to see. Uh, we got not too much time left, so let's really start uh, getting into what happened last night 
National Championship. Virginia won it 85-77 in overtime. Um, I, I see a lot of talk on Twitter about this out-of-bounds replay thing. And I'm like, y'all, let's, let's, real talk, that wouldn't have made a difference. You know? That's probably true because there's only one second on the clock when it happened that led the game to go in overtime. But I just want to say this outright. I'm so happy. I said this on Twitter, but I'm so happy. This was a good, for a good reason, a close and good championship game. And unlike championship games like the Super Bowl. Exactly. Yeah, this, was, this was a great game. It was a great game. Um, I feel people are talking about the replay thing too much. I don't think it would have made as much of a difference as people are making it out to be. Basketball is such a crazy sport when you think about the fact that, like, even if the Red Raiders did get a chance to win in regular time, right, That's you still got to hit the shot. And I am always of a mind that a, a buzzer-beater shot in the NCAA tournament will always be 50-50, you know? It doesn't matter how good you are. You know, it's a 50-50 deal. Because just, when the pressure gets to you, it doesn't matter what the analytics are. And every basketball shot that is taken has a 50-50 probability of going in, right? You either miss or you make. That's basketball, you know? And if you really think about it with, you know, Virginia and everything, obviously losing last year first once you lose to a 16 seed in March Madness history, go on the following year to win it all. You know, it's beautiful. It's great to see. Yeah, you, you, you love to see it. Um, another thing that I really love about this, um, at the expense of Texas Tech, which, frankly, Texas Tech is one of those schools where if you're from Texas, like, and you're an Aggie or a Longhorn fan, Texas Tech is like that one school where you're just like, y'all are annoying as heck. <laughs> like, I hate, I hate Texas Tech, you know? Like I did not even I didn't even root for that team. I watched I watched you know I watched the game. I I, I was so neutral I could have cared less about the replay thing. Um, it means with Texas Tech losing, it does uh, retain one very special record, um, and that is that the the only Texas team uh, who you know or the, like rather the last Texas team to win an NCAA basketball tournament was the 1965-66 Texas Western team. Texas Western, now known as UTEP. Um, Texas Western was the first university, and this was the team that did it, uh, where they they put an all-black team on the court. Um, very historic sort of deal. Um, and they won the national championship. Against Kentucky. Against Kentucky. They had to go through two overtimes in the tournament to do that. So they are part of the same list of teams as Virginia who had to play two overtime games at least to win their national championship. So it's kind of cool to see those two teams on the same list and then know the history behind Texas Western and everything that that team did. But if you talk about, you know, Texas Western, obviously, you know, Road to Glory made a, you know, movie documentary about it, which I've seen a few times and I recommend it if you haven't seen it, but I guess going back to my point, like, I was neutral. You know, I picked, you know, Michigan to win it all, but I personally picked Texas Tech to win after Michigan lost just because since Baylor won the Women's March Madness, I was like, imagine if a Texas school wins both men 
and women March Madness pools. It would have been nice to see that. You know, like that would have been cool as well. So, like, really, the the, the whole—if you're looking at storylines, I love storylines. I love narratives in sports. It was a win-win, you know. But I'm glad that we can still say that the 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 last Texas team to do it in the tournament was this historical 65-66 Texas Western team. At some point, it's gonna happen. A and M or UT or even Tech is gonna win. You know, heck, it could be someone out of the blue. We never know. You know, history has a weird way of working itself out. But I'm still, I'm glad that in the end, Virginia won the basketball game and Texas Western is the only Texas team to win a national championship in basketball. It's it's beautiful. But that's just about all the time we have here on KNC Sports. Thank you once again for tuning in. My name is Kyle Jones, joined as always by Cole Tusing will be on next week, same time, same place, so you don't want to miss it. Tune in and then stay tuned as well all day for more wonderful content from KCOU 88.1 FM.